Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 73. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies the internet has to offer. So you don't have to. Sorry, I didn't know if there was more. We have a new intro, because it's a new year, uh-huh. 2020. Happy 2020. New Year, everyone. We also, as we've mentioned before, have a new format. We used to be Netflix exclusive. Now we are... All the streaming services. I was thinking of a a metaphor. It's so metaphorical. It's so metaphorical. Like, a, for... What do you mean? Playing the field? I don't know. <laughs> this week, we'll be talking about the 1992 horror film Candyman, which is not what we rolled on the roulette. It is not. What did we roll on the roulette? It's called Sabrina. Oh, 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 shoot. This was actually so long ago that I forgot. Um, So we booted up Netflix, because we were like, oh, it's going to be our last, you know, Netflix movie, whatever. Or maybe. And it started, and I something came over me. Yeah. You like, had a visceral reaction. I had a visceral reaction to the way this movie was filmed and acted, where I just bodily rejected it. Yeah. Like, every moment I was watching it was like agony, and I've never, I've never had that experience before. Like, ever in my life. Yeah. And also, I think you looked up what that, like, what the rating was, and you were like, oh... Yeah. You looked up like the letterbox rating and you were like, oh, and I was like, what? And you were like, it's low. So it's we really knew low. that we were going to be watching it as a joke. As a laugh. as a, For a laugh. And, but then it was like, I can't even have fun because I was literally so miserable and I don't get it, but it was a visceral reaction. And so we turned it off. And so watched. I do, I do apologize to anyone who was hoping that we would talk about Sabrina. We just can't folks. I read some reviews and it's really bad. So actually I would just say avoid it. There you go. Done. On Netflix, however, we did end up picking a Netflix movie, regardless of the roulette, mm-hmm. uh, is the 1992 film Candyman, which neither of us had seen before. No, and I knew I clearly knew nothing about because it took me hugely by surprise. And this movie fucking rules. It's the best. Oh my god. It was like, I have no idea how I've not seen it in my 29 years of life. It's like, I, I'm blown away. It makes no sense to me that this has been... On my radar, but not a priority, because this is one of the best movies we've watched for the podcast. 100%. Like, yeah. One of my favorite horror movies now. And it do- it's so similar to other horror movies that we love, and it takes place in Chicago. So it's just, like, completely our shit. Yeah. And yet we've never seen it. Which, again, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it was crazy. One of the reasons I was actually so glad that we watched this is that over Thanksgiving... We actually watched um, this documentary called Horror Noir. On Shudder. On Shudder. Um, is it a, like, a, it's, it was made it's by yep. Shudder, right? It's Shudder exclusive. Um, and it, that's about um, black representation in horror movies. Yep. And it was really actually really exciting because you and I had also, I had just seen um, Night of the Living Dead for the first time. Yes. Which also has like a, that was like led the charge. Um, and then they talked a lot about Candyman. And it was really fun because actually just before that we'd watched Demon Knight, which we didn't even know was going to be like in yeah. any way about African-American representation, but then it ended up being. And then Horror Noir like was this perfect, you know, second kind of movie yes. to get into it. And they talked a lot about Candyman, obviously. I, I, I don't know how obvious for those of you who are Yeah, people might not Candyman. know what... Yeah. Um, but it's, the, it's like the first black, like... Uh... Like super, yeah, super, super, super vi- like not super villain, yeah, like but... horror icon. The way that we yeah. got, especially this era, we have we, we have Pinhead, we have Freddy Krueger, we have Jason, mm-hmm. um, we have all these icons of Michael franchises, Myers. which Candyman went on to become. But even just as a standalone figure, Candyman, played by Tony Todd in this movie, is an instant icon. 
Yes. He opens his mouth, and you just know that this is important. Yes. It's it's that kind of performance, mm-hmm. which again, how the fuck have we not come to it before? Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know. But but Hardwar talks a lot about how Tony Todd was. I mean, this is a movie about race. This is a movie about yes. Um, he's he's not African American in a vacuum. No, which. But it's also not about like I think obviously at the time there was this worry about like having a black horror uh, icon or like villain in a movie. I mean, there's a lot of having gone back and done research. There's a lot of uh, at the time hand wringing. Anxiety, yeah, hand-wringing about this movie being racist, mm-hmm. because it's about it's about public housing projects being dangerous. And, which... and about, like, a black man threatening a white woman. Yes, well, like... people, people felt that it was very King Kong-y. It's very, like, a mm. white woman in peril and this menacing black... Beast. Menace. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like... I... But that's what the movie's about. That's yes. the thing. It's not, it's not King kong because this is... King Kong isn't about that. This is the and complicated thing. King Kong thing. doesn't... King Kong doesn't deal with that as a issue. This movie deals with that as an yeah, issue. Yeah, we can't we can't refute that that is what's on screen, mm-hmm. and it's worth this is a bit silly to preface this with. But we are both white, yes. and neither of us are uh, scholars of this sort of thing the way that the people involved in Hard War are. No, but but that's why I'm really so glad. I mean, this is all to say watch horror noir because I'm so glad I had the context yes. going into Candyman because it let me know that at least now Candyman isn't seen as like, holy shit, it's so racist and it set us back right. as a community. It's seen as like, this helped us break into horror. And for a lot of us, this was our entree into horror yeah. and it made us feel seen even if he was the villain. Yes. So. Because again, people, people... I don't have to fucking explain this to the people who listen to this podcast. People who are into horror love the villains of horror. Yes. Right? Like, it's yeah. not like we're we're not upset about Freddy Krueger. Like, right. I, I'm yeah. not upset that Mrs. Voorhees is the villain of, yeah. you know, I don't think that says bad things about mothers or women. It's like, that's awesome. It's a great twist. Like, it's a really good thing. Women, uh, in the same way, female, you know, killers and especially supernatural killers. We don't actually... That's like, like, there's a lot of little girls. Like, The Ring is kind of that. This is a big thing, point but... that a uh, great friend of the podcast, James Skosky, makes a lot, is that he, he always is vying for more female slasher villains. Yeah. Because Final Girls, obviously, are... A hundredfold. A, a core part of the genre. And we always have Mrs. Voorhees, but I that, the, thinking about it, a lot of the... Um, we don't have like a Michael, a, a female Michael Myers. A lot of them are like little children or they're ghost girls. Are you gonna cite like that. that book you read about Mrs. Voorhees? I'm not going to. Okay, well, Liz read a bad book. I read a very wild book um, called Men, Women, and Chainsaws. The reason I read it is because uh, Carol Clover, I think that's her name. I don't know. I, I just know her book. as Carol because I yelled Carol the whole time I was reading the book. Um, she invented the term "final girl," which ah. so she did give us something. Um, but she uh, wrote a book, um, in the early nineties. So it actually, I mean, like she missed a lot of stuff and the things that she predicted were like a hundred percent wrong about where just before screen, if she had only waited for screen to come out. Because she was writing all about like Carrie and Poltergeist and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Another great movie. Yeah. No, I mean, love those movies. And she's not a hundred percent wrong. It's just that she said a lot of very gender essentialist stuff about like, 
penises and vaginas and um, cross-dressing specifically that she's not wrong about. There's a lot of cross-dressing in horror um, and it's often done in villainy. And so like there is a lot to say there about transness and the way that it's been portrayed in horror. People in the 80s and 90s loved gender essentialism. They did. That was the lens through which they saw all... It was like everything's penises yeah. and vaginas and it's very tied to, you know, men and women. Uh, so half of the book was really, it was a lot of garbage. There was like a tiny fraction of it that was really good. That I'm glad that I read it, but I'm also... Um, horror noir, to compare, is just such better meta criticism yep. of horror and there's so much there's so many smart people in it and it's all kind of building to get out which i think is really exciting that it was this beautiful yes. thing of like talking about all of jordan peele's inspiration and leading to like we're all just trying to get to like how wonderful get out was for everyone and 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 for Amer african americans and the horror community it was just so great and yes jordan of, peele is doing Candyman. yes jordan peele has written and produced uh, a Candyman movie that's coming out in June. With Tony Todd. Yes. Uh, directed by Nia DaCosta, who... She made the movie Little Woods last year, which I... Oh, with Tessa and... Someone else. A white woman. Lily James. Yes. That white woman. Mm -hmm. uh, well, she's directing that. It's coming out in June, which is, again, such a fascinating link. The only other thing yes. I wanted to say before we get into the movie itself is that this is based on a Clive Barker short story mm -hmm. called The Forbidden. And Bernard which Rose's movie, in England, which is yeah. so crazy. Bernard Rose, who is a white Brit, moved it to Chicago, which is even more crazy. <laughs> like that's so wild. But feels like the right move for this story. We haven't even oh, really 100%. talked about this movie really at all. But yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we had to say a lot of meta stuff at the run, top. <laughs> run, don't walk to see Candyman. It's oh, on yeah. Netflix still. Absolutely. Still, I mean, we watched. We just watched it, but yeah. it is that bitch. It is so <laughs> fucking one hundred percent. And yeah, we're going to spoil great. it. So go see so it. So go see it, then come yeah. back. Yeah. Katie Man is a movie about a woman named Helen, played by Virginia Madsen, mm -hmm. who is a graduate student researching urban legends. Yes. Her friend, Bernadette, played by Casey Lemons, who is a film director. Um, she, so cool. She directed the movie Harriet. That she, came out. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's so crazy. That Cynthia Erivo is nominated for an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll be at the Oscars. <laughs> Casey Lemons? Yeah. She might. Shouts out. She was also, um, I feel like her most famous role besides this is that she is the friend in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Which I actually, like, you'd think that wouldn't, I mean, I can't even remember the friend's name, but um, she has like a, like a flowery name. Uh, but the reason I think about her all the time is because in that movie, it's so clear that, like, Clarice doesn't get along with all of the men in um that she's yeah. in the FBI academy with. She literally has this one friend and it's this other woman and Clarice never tries to be like one of the boys. She and this girl just literally hang out and like that's it. And I actually think that's like amazing. That yeah. like it's a, such a small detail in Sounds of the Lambs, but I love it so much. So I love Casey Lemmings. Oh yeah. I feel like this movie is sending me on 25 million tangents, which I actually think is like to its credit. Yeah, maybe we it, should... Yeah. It fits into the canon so well as like, and Virginia Madsen went on to do some horror and Casey Lemmings went on, you know, she has she has her place Sounds in like the horror world. This, yeah. Right, but she has her place in the horror world as well. So there's just so much there to dig into. The cinematographer, Anthony B. Richmond, made uh, Don't Look Now with Nicholas Rogue back in the 70s. Oh my God. Which, uh, we should say this movie looks so fucking good. So, yeah, oh my God, it's unbelievable. I'm having a hard time organizing... Yeah, where do we even start? Yeah, 
I mean, I have lots of notes. I did a lot of research right mm-hmm. before coming, like, like I was refreshing myself about Cabrini Green, like, mm-hmm. right before we started recording. But I am so excited about this movie. And part of me wants to hold back because I know people listen to this podcast without watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just that exciting and good to me. Yeah. This movie is is a slasher movie, but it's also a detective, like, investigation it's kind, kind of, of Yeah, it's like a mystery, because she is, like... Uh, the Virginia Madsen character it gets framed for murders, and th- so that element of it is and not horror. It's, it's a movie crime. About, well, it's yeah. a movie about gaslighting, yeah. but it's also a movie about racist uh, housing developments. And it's also, and it's a, movie also about- a movie about her being racist. Her, like, yeah. inserting herself into black narratives but that's all, without care. That's all the surface text. It's also about an urban legend that is both... It's, it's about... <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's about centuries of shared trauma. Yeah, wait. Let's start with the urban legend because the movie kind of does. Yeah, that's where right? the movie starts with this great quick edited sequence talking about the Candyman urban legend. Which would you like to recount? If I can remember it, I'll start and you can correct yeah. me. The Candyman legend, I believe, is that he was an escaped slave. Well, we don't know that till later, but yes. Okay. Well, okay. So then, the Candyman legend by itself is just that you go into the into bathroom. your bed, the bathroom, and you say Candyman five times in your mirror, which I think is hilarious because that's obviously like a Bloody Mary thing. That's the other mirror person, and you only have to say Bloody Mary three times. And I love the Candyman's like you got two extra chances not to be an idiot. Like you got to say it a whole ass five. I like times. that. That's how you think of it. Is that it's like it's a failsafe rather than you're charging his power. You're just like, oh no, he, to really invoke the power of Candyman, you really. Gotta, that's like, true. No, he needs like he needs. <laughs> you got to go up twenty percent at a time. It's like an incantation. Well, I feel like it's a failsafe because Bloody Mary three times. You really only get two chances to be dumb, and then your last one, you're fucked. But then, so is it that you then you turn off the light and he's behind you yeah and he's, okay. gonna, he's gonna get you he's gonna get you and he does he does um and so they it's they're recounting this for her because she's sourced she's interv- these yeah so she as a graduate student is interviewing a bunch of people about a different urban legends this is just one of many this mm-hmm. is the one she's working on right now um but she also then hears when she's there's some scene where she's working on it and she ends up talking to like the cleaning ladies at the university. Yes. And one of them actually has an instance of like, I know a woman who was straight up killed by Candyman. Yes, which is based on a real thing that happened in Cabrini, in Cabrini Green. Green. Is the mirror well, thing? She real? wasn't killed by uh what mirror thing? That because this is one of the elements of the movie that I think is the coolest, is that in these housing developments, they made them so lazily and they were designed so economically and therefore poorly that in the apartments the space for the bathroom mirror is the same in these two apartments so there's just one hole and or i guess two holes because the wall is still there but they basically back up right into each other so one person could remove the mirror from their own bathroom wall and then just sneak through to someone else's apartment. So that happened to 52-year-old Ruthie McCoy in Cabrini Green. With the mirrors actually being like that. With the the way that the murderer got into her apartment was through the bathroom, the bathroom mirror oh that, God, so yeah. fucked up. Oh, it's so, so scary. Oh my God. But again, that's the thing, is that that's a true crime thing, right? Right. This is, this is the perfect, because this is, this is not a movie about drugs or gangs or any of that. I think that's one... Uh, there's a little element of that. It's, it's With a... the fake Candyman being a threat to this 
community as he well. Is, he is set up, though. That's their scapegoat. He's, it's That's yes. complicated. It's why he comes back in the first place. Right. Uh, this is a movie about a supernatural, like, monster. Yeah. Man. He's real scary, actually. He's a ghost. Like, he's a, he's a killer ghost. Yeah. But it's based on this urban legend that has its basis, at least in the fiction of this movie, in, like, a real murder that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with this ghost, which is so... Which so is probably why the director right then, or the screenwriter then chose it's, to it's set both, this both in Chicago. Bernard Rose did like, both. Yeah. Oh, he did both? He wrote and directed Yeah. It. So that's probably why he was like, okay, I'm going to pull this into Chicago because we have this real situation that I yeah. can like, build off of. Fucked up, horrifying. So she and Bernadette, Bernadette? Yeah. Decide they're going to go visit mm-hmm. Cabrini Green. I do want to do a quick, quick sidebar because Cabrini Green for a while, I don't know how old the people listening to this podcast are. For a while, Cabrini Green was like the... People said Cabrini Green and they meant all all shitty housing projects that were violent and dangerous. And it, it became a beyond Chicago thing to that, like, the way that people now, <clears throat> the president, talks about Chicago as this mm. war zone, which is so absurd and so racist. Yes. People have been doing that for a long time. And Cabrini Green, being a notorious public housing project where there was a lot of violence and where the city and state did nothing to fund or to, like, to help Well, not even nothing. That. They, they, like, exacerbated it by building the highway, right? That was kind of what we... So not Cabrini Green, specifically other um, projects. Uh, this is what I was... Cabrini Green is, like, at the intersection of... This is a podcast for four people. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, Lincoln Park's right here. Yeah. And the Gold Coast is right here. And, like, that's where it is. Lincoln Park? Yes. Lincoln Park is above the Gold Coast. Yeah. Cabrini Green's west, isn't it? It's west of the Gold Coast. Those are both things on the east, like on the east. It is not west of the highway. It is east of the highway. It's east of the Dan Ryan. But doesn't it, wouldn't it also then be, it, that's that's not, it's, the Gold Coast is only east. It doesn't extend all the way west. Correct. Would you like me to show you on a map? I would love to. This is fascinating podcasting. <laughs> when a lot of people, especially people older than we are in our 20s, think about how bad housing projects were. Which, again, I'm, I'm using this as shorthand because this is not a podcast about the structural failings of racist housing projects, right? We can't, like, we Sorry. can't talk about that for It's so, long. so much further east than I thought it was. Yes, that's what I was, yes. Yeah. Um, the Robert, so Robert Taylor homes, maybe? Anyway, here in Chicago, they built a they built a highway to separate black neighborhoods from white neighborhoods. Mm. It's real fucked up. Yep. That's not what we're talking Just about. Learn we, that. <laughs> we will go on forever. Oh, Chicago history. Uh, some of us went to college in Chicago and took history classes here. Some and of therefore, us some of us didn't. Some of us have way too much information about this. <laughs> in their some heads. of us vaguely, you can guess who. Uh, Cabrini Green is like, which are all now all demolished, has a reputation beyond Chicago as being this big, bad, scary specter of gangland violence. Mm hmm. For the characters in this movie, they also treat it that way. Yes. But one of the things that this movie is doing somewhat subtly at first is that what Helen, our protagonist, is doing is basically like slumming. She's mm-hmm. doing this sort of like cultural tourism of like, oh, how how bad is it? I want to I want to really dig down into. And she's not. She's both under. Because she's underplaying it because she's has this idea of like, I'm just going to go in and it's not even going to be that dangerous, which one would think is like, oh, good. You're being you're not like one of those pearl clutchy white women who's like, yeah, I'd never go to Cabrini Green. But she's not 
taking it seriously and she's thinking of herself as invincible and she's inserting herself into the space where she has no place right like she has no place and are... and just to use them as test subjects basically which one of the things this movie to its credit knows is that the people in Cabrini Green are fucking people and yes. not like specimens right. the way that she to treats study. them yeah yes. Um, and and she completely ignores that for because I think because obviously she doesn't believe in it in the way that, that they do and also being, doesn't it being, it being Candyman candy yeah. and also doesn't understand that like there is also this Candyman imposter who's kind of running around but she does not care that it might have impact on their lives she's just like I'm in I'm out you aren't people to me. And I and I'm not and I I don't have to even worry about myself because nothing could happen to me yeah. because I'm invincible. I think it's and it's 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 like that white well she also invincibility thinks she also like, thinks they're all nothing bad could happen to me because I haven't done anything bad and I'm good and I'm just here to study and so like I'll just I'll just be reasonable with people and they'll listen to me and that is ignorant of the world. It's this weird like well-meaning racist yes uh, you know get out style like distance that she has because she thinks that they she says something to the effect of like they attribute the horrors of their daily lives to a mythical figure as it like as if this is some anthropological study of like yes uh, and as if she knows she has no idea what these people do right because she's like is treating them like specimens yeah so yeah and i think that was the worry about of this movie for me about 30 minutes in is it was like does this movie know that? And then it was like, oh, it absolutely It very clearly does. does. And it punishes it for it, right? It's about yes, it's about people people are people and not anthropology projects. So yes. like fucking don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Especially you well meeting white Chicagoans. Mm-hmm. And her black friend, who is in the university with her, yeah. is highly educated, like this woman tells her not to yeah. and insists that she's uncomfortable being there and is very unhappy and Virginia Madsen or what's that was it Helen Helen just fully ignores her and climbs through the fucking bathroom window and goes into Candyman's apartment and so she's not only ignoring the people who live here she's ignoring her friend who does not want to be here and doesn't want to do this and right. is, you know she doesn't care everything is just the experiment and the, the study right so this first trip to Cabrini Green she talks to some people. She finds. This also connects to uh, a plot point, but it's but it's important to what we're t- what we're discussing. That um, so she's in this place, and what she doesn't realize is that they are afraid of the mythical Candyman, but there also is a gang, and the leader calls himself the Candyman. So there is this real threat to the, specifically this one child who Jake. she's kind of encountered, Jake. Um, who is afraid of the Candyman, both like spiritually and physically. Yeah. And the physical Candyman, um, she goes into a bathroom to find... There's some Candyman yeah. legend as part of this bathroom. She goes in there. It's a public bathroom. And these guys follow her in there. And, of course, she does this kind of, like, I'm I'm getting out. I'm leaving. I just want to take some pictures. And they beat the shit out of her and, like, kind of leave her for dead. Like, yeah. their aim was kind of to kill her. And literally the next thing we see is that she's gone to the police and they have, like, rounded up all of these black men and she's identifying them. And it is the most, like, God, it was infuriating that she put herself in this position. Yep. She entered this neighborhood. And there are innocent people just being rounded up that the police yep. are like had to like do this for her to like make her feel better and it's it's just awful but again the movie knows that it's absurd that this white woman who came to Cabrini Green and that got beaten up 
it, like that they're focusing their attention that there's a ton of cops involved in this. Yes, they find um, him immediately. It's like it's like that. It's an hour later that they do this. As opposed to the other problems of violence, like this kid Jake is like actually in fear. He's homeless, uh, isn't he? Yes, yeah. of like the violence that surrounds him. Yeah, and there's a point they have an exchange where she says to the cop like, "Oh, like we can't. What we can't. What about that kid Jake? We can't protect him." And uh, the cops like, "Oh, we don't need him. We have you." Because all they yeah. care about is, like, locking up right. this gang leader. Yeah. It also connects to um, a detail that she says earlier when she was interviewing the cleaning ladies. One of them talks about how... I can't remember if it was the woman who was attacked or a woman who, like, heard it. But she called 911 and Candyman was attacking this woman and, like, couldn't get through and no one took her seriously. And it didn't matter. And this woman died in this housing project. Again, a movie about gaslighting. Correct. And then, of course, oh, you know, Helen is like, a man beat me up. And it's like, oh, my God, the FBI is here. Like, they brought out the big guns. They've got this whole lineup of men. And so that it was very purposeful. And it was absolutely. Yeah. Another thing worth mentioning in terms of background is that the building that the reason that. Helen knows about this false back mirror thing is because her building was supposedly mm-hmm. planned as a housing project, but the neighborhood was too affluent, so they just turned them into condos. Yeah, which, which is... Oh, man. Motherfucker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's housing. <sighs> which is so good because it's about this mirroring, right, of the way that physical structure, like literal buildings, physical structures, the, the places that people live... Are, enforce yes like these rules of society yes she looks out her window and she can see other housing projects in disarray mm-hmm. because of course her building in her neighborhood is well taken care of by the police and public mm-hmm. funding and the Boxes projects yeah. are just people boxed in and abandoned yeah it keeps it keeps people in and their it's place. literally it's it literally is. the specter of like racist housing outside her window yeah and it's such a good like text to this yeah the other thing that i think is interesting about this is that this is like we have not seen Candyman yet the the real Candyman. we're about to we're about to but we have not seen him yet since the beginning of the movie which he does this horrifying voiceover (laughs) over the bees oh yes this monologue about uh the only thing i wrote down was um what's blood if not for shedding yeah they will say i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding and i was like what say a few things but okay and he also says with my everywhere. hook for a hand i'll split you groin to gullet oh i hate that oh can't even stop but so we have we heard the other the the real um urban legend of him at this point about the bees i don't i think so we probably. must have because when, when there's another professor that's what, there's another professor who <laughs> they've been doing work on Candyman for years yeah there's a whole Academic so conflict husband, that I don't care about. Her husband, and he's just a piece of shit. Um, but the the urban legend of him, of how he, like, his, like, origin story is that he was an escaped slave. He was in love with a white woman, right? Yes. They were in love, and they had to split them up, so they killed him. They chopped up his hand. They pushed a hook into his hand. In Chicago, which is important if you know anything about the United States and, you know, right. the history of slavery. Right. Uh the union, you know, the the supposedly <laughs> enlightened people of Chicago, mm-hmm. like tortured D- and killed did him. This to him. Be, be they slathered him? him with something. Well, yeah. So they cut off his hand. They put it. They there was a specifically care to talk about how they like pushed a hook into it, which is just the worst thing I've ever heard. And when we see his hook, it is it, fucking. It looks awful. horrifying. It's awful. Um, 
And then I think they slattered him with something. That might have been honey. And then like set bees on him. Yeah. And that's how he died. He got stung. He yeah. doesn't look. He doesn't look stung in his ghost self though. He does have a hook for him. No, but he does open his mouth. He's like made of bees. Yes, there are bees inside of him. That's a fucked up image. It's like I didn't like. It. I say this when I say these things are fucked up or like horrible, like the Grindelwald thing. It's in the good horror way where mm-hmm. you're like, ugh, I am repulsed. Yeah. You know who's really good at this shit? Clive fucking Barker. Clive Barker. <laughs> Clive Barker conjures images that just and like I think, ruined my life. I. It's a little too much for me with as hellraiser Hellraiser. um because as as i think we talked about hellraiser we started it and i think i had to turn it off almost right away because i was like not in the mood because there's just like meat hanging from hooks that's when i was like no (laughs) unsubscribe but this is just the right amount of like gross to me um while also being really interesting sometimes i worry that gross is all hellraiser has going for it it's not, but it's but that's what it feels like sometimes yeah. because it's about pain. This is this has I think he actually says the words exquisite pain and I was like yeah. Clive, you kinky motherfucker. But uh, it, this isn't only about the exquisite pain and the quote is the can the Candyman says, "Are you afraid of the pain or what lies beyond? The pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite." At which point I wrote in my notes, "All right, Clive. All right, Clive. We get it. <laughs> you like nipple play. We all understand." What? <laughs> one of our one of our uh, legendary gay icons. Mad respect to Clive Barker. I will not tolerate Clive Barker slander. He's an important. He's an important man. He's extremely kinky. I wrote down at this point. Candyman's first appearance is straight up David Lynch shit, and then I did like a key smash. <laughs> Which at this point I don't remember what it was, but it must have made me jump. I don't remember either because I wrote the turn this movie takes when the Candyman shows up. Yeah, so we should talk about this. It is very like David Lynch. It's very surreal. It's object association zooms in on a hive of bees kind of thing where it's just like, what are we looking at? When he shows up, he's trying to kill her, but he more than that, he's trying to ruin her life. Yes, because he. This is why he shows up. This is why it takes so long. Is that the reason he shows up? Is because. It's all, he's like one of those like Hellenistic gods who's like, I need people to believe in me for fuel, yeah. for fuel. And so when the, when the Candyman, big scare quotes, was caught, people were like, we don't have to worry about Candyman anymore. Yeah. And so let's like, stop repeating this. Urban let's legend. stop saying it because he's caught and he was never real in the first place. He was just only this gang leader. Which and, again, to tie back to the, the Hellraiser thing, honestly, is like. This this engagement of like the it's a very human thing that we love what scares us right yeah. we love we love horror movies right uh. so people were more invested in the urban legend of Candyman and kids were probably doing it uh, when they believed the Candyman was real right the demystification of Candyman yes like takes away some of the the pleasure of of being scared of, of scaring ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah whereas like if he's just a gang leader that's just normal everyday fear right. that's just like your regular life especially for these kids. Whereas if he's like this mystical demon who's going to show up, it's terrifying. And so it's really interesting that the, that the real Candyman liked this fake Candyman because he's yeah. giving him like cred. Um, and now the fake Candyman is locked up and real Candyman is like, well, I need people to believe in me again. So I'm going to use you as my scapegoat and start doing some murders. And it's going to be, it's going to be your fault. And we're going to like, re-inspire the Candyman stuff. So what happens, we probably won't talk about all of the things that happen, but this first one is the biggest one, which is that there's this weird, surreal sequence with the Candyman, and um, apparently for Virginia Madsen, the actress was like hypnotized before all of her sequences. And it makes sense that it's so, it's shot so 
yeah, this movie, the way the filmmaking is so good, it's so David Lynch, or even like it has some of that like Suspiria, like stylized elements where it's mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like the silent film, like the light on the eyes kind of yes. thing. Uh, well, she also, I, I wrote this down at one point, Virginia Madsen literally has a, the most classic movie white woman look. She has, she looks like Marilyn Monroe sometimes. Oh, so she looks like, like a Hitchcock blonde. She looks like, she looks like Hitchcock blonde. Exactly. She looks like she should be in like rear window or vertigo. Yeah. There's something about her and her hair is short and she's got these beautiful lips and these eyes. It's I like was, an out of time. It really surprised me that she didn't do much else. Like I only know her from one other thing and it's haunting in Connecticut <laughs> where she plays a mom. So, but watching her in this, it's, she is, it, it's King Kong also. Yeah. She looks like she should be like dangling from Ray, his yeah. fist, like on top of the Empire State Building. So, that also comes into play so much that it's re- just her look is referencing so much yeah. in history. Anyway, she wakes up on the bathroom floor of one of the people that she interviewed in Cabrini Green, um, covered in blood with like a dog head, like lying she next to her. Dog he- yeah, because the dog's body's in the hallway. Oh my yeah, God, so and then she like goes out and she's like covered in blood. Uh, and she hears the woman screaming. The woman screaming because the baby's her baby's missing. Um, and we and we she had spoken to this woman about how the ba- her this baby was like her hope in this world. Yeah, like she was gonna get this baby out of here, have a great life. Like she was gonna save him, and now so he's they gone. fight. She's a uh, Helen is arrested because of course she fucking is because she because she stabs her too. Yeah, like it's not even like well, she's also because she kidnapped there. the baby and she murdered a dog. Yeah, this also introduces something that I her husband isn't home at three a.m. to bail her out of jail, mm-hmm. and there's this like little intimation earlier that like. Maybe she, he's sleeping with a student. Yep. And I loved how subtle it is in the background. That, like, Helen doesn't say, oh, you weren't home, therefore you must be cheating on me. It's just like, oh, why isn't he home? Why isn't he home? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she calls him and he's not there. Why wouldn't yeah, he be there? A, it's a great little It's detail. so good. And then it comes back at the end. Um, and I think it's a brilliant, like, little plot thing threaded through this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she does get bailed out. I'm trying to remember what... I think Candyman, Candyman always shows up before a murder. They have a, a scene together. Um... Because they've written down here the the believe in me, be my victim. Yes. She gets bailed out. She goes home. Bernadette gets murdered. In their house. In their house. Bernadette comes to the door. Candyman is menacing her. Is menacing Helen. And then Bernadette comes in and Candyman kills her. And of course, then it looks like Helen did it. Yes. Also, another another important note. Um, when Bernadette's like mutilated, it's, it's pretty gross. It's awful. Uh, she's covered in the film prints. Like the little like film, mm-hmm. um, like you do for a, a rotary projector, mm-hmm. uh, of the like research stuff they're doing, and it just feels so. Maybe it's a little on the nose, but I love it. Of like, this is what happens when you do this like cultural tourism, right? This is what happens when you decide to treat people like objects, objects like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, her mutilated corpse is literally covered in these film. It's so yes. Again, just it's visceral. Yeah, it's visceral. Yeah. Yes, the imagery just oh, it kills me. So, she goes to the mental hospital, uh, right. screaming and protesting. I think she, like, wakes up after, like, a month of being drugged. Oh, my God, yes, she does. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, yeah, you fucking killed... You, you stole a baby. We still don't know where that baby is. You killed your friend. You've totally lost it. I don't remember exactly where we go from here, except that Candyman says to her that if... She gives herself up to him. He will save the baby. Yes. That is like, 
a lot. There's a lot of other stuff. She escapes the mental hospital. She's like well, walking on, out on the side. Like, she escapes the mental hospital she, because she's he, tied to a wheelchair in the doctor's, like the yeah. um, head mental that, psychologist's yeah. office. Yeah. And she says Candyman five times in the mirror while she's tied there because there's a little mirror because there's a little sink over on the side of the office. Uh, and she looks in the mirror and says Candyman five times. And so Candyman comes and kills the doctor with his hook horrifyingly and sets her free and then she escapes from the hospital again she will be blamed for this katie man's motive is not to save her it's to ruin her life it's to continue ruining her life but it just happens to work in her favor in this moment um so she escapes from the hospital let's just speed through this yeah, yeah, yeah. goes home to her apartment where some oh someone else is there is repainting the walls what the fuck how long has she been here oh no it's stacy the student that her husband is sleeping with yep horrible she's painting all the walls pink it's very horrifying I also, I'm curious, um, Virginia Madsen seems, uh, quite a bit younger than the actor who plays her husband. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Was she his student? Yeah. Is the implication here that he just keeps, like, Cycling through students? Sli- yes. Sleeping students? Oh, 100%. Okay, good. I think so. Again, not remarked upon, just subtext that I think yep. is handled really well in this yep. movie. Her husband is terrible. He, like did not care whether or not she was guilty or innocent because he wanted her out of the house and wanted yeah. this girl to move in. Like, it didn't even matter to him. Candyman, I know, I think it's this next sequence where he says, literally, like, they will all abandon you. All you have is my desire for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wrote down. I was just like, this fucking gaslighting-ass movie. Like, yeah. it's it's working on so many levels. It's about so many things. Yeah. She goes back to Gabrini Green. She crawls through the mirror mm-hmm. into the abandoned, the derelict Candyman apartment. Where there's just murals everywhere. It's horrifying so imagery. Cool. One of the best is she crawls through a hole in the wall into a different room, and we don't see it until she's in the other room. But as she's crawling through the hole, she's crawling through the mouth of a big It's all one long take mural. too. The whole the whole she like goes into the bathroom and through the mirror and into the apartment. It's all one long take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also very David Lynch. Uh it's just it's so good. You know, we haven't mentioned it all. What? The score is by Philip Glass. Oh my god, the score, the piano. Oh the score to this movie god. is incredible, and I think such an integral part of what builds the tension because you're fucking freaked out. Yeah. Like we don't even care about Helen as a person that much. She's kind of a piece of shit. She but is, like, but, but it's it's so scary. And like, I mean, it, it they did a great thing in that you're really worried about this baby. You oh, really yeah. want the oh, baby yeah. to be okay, and it doesn't matter if Candyman saves the baby or if Helen saves the baby, somebody's got to save the baby. So, like, at this point, we don't even really know what we want out of Helen's story, but we really want her to make sure the baby's okay. And Kyle. Poor little baby Kyle. He's got to be okay, too. Kyle? Yeah. What's his name? Jake? Jake. <laughs> Who's Kyle? I don't know. <laughs> They're, like, both four names. And, poor, and little baby Jake. Got to make sure he's okay, too. Can I read a series of three... Yeah. Sentences that are one of my notes? Yes. This score is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. True. Is this about inherited guilt or Helen being a white woman? Is it a shining thing? What the fuck? I don't even know that I can make sense of this third act, and I don't know that I want to. <laughs> There's yeah, an aspect of it that's It's really like, abstract. It's so abstract, and I like that it's that. Yes. Right? I don't want to sit here and unpack it because I think that there's... There's too much going on thematically that I think that reducing it to it is this or it is that is... Yes, because saying it as simply as, like, Candyman good, Helen bad, or Candyman bad, Helen good, or, like, it's about white women um, abusing their power over black men, or it's about black men, blah, blah, blah. Just doing any of that is reductive because it's also just, at its heart, about an urban legend. Yeah. There is a big part of it that's just like, what if you did say Candyman in the Mirror five times and he came out and ruined your life? Yeah. Like, what if, 
What if that happened? The only thing in the third act that I do want to say, just to wrap up some of the plot, is that um, she wakes up. Again, she keeps getting, like, hypnotized. Like, and he also can transport her, which is real fucked up. Uh, she wakes up, and she hears a baby crying. And outside the window, in this, like, sort of... It's like a... It's a lot. It's not a parking lot. It's just, mm-hmm. like, a piece Empty of concrete. Space. yeah. It's piled up this pyramid of furniture, and there's a baby crying somewhere inside. Mm-hmm. And so she crawls in to try to rescue this baby. Because, again, at this point, this is what this plot is about. Uh-huh. Um, and it's such a cool visual construction of mm-hmm. her trying to make her way through... I mean, again, it's not It's not even. It's not, like, symmetrical. It's not a maze, yeah. Yeah. She's just trying to she's moving crawl through garbage, yeah. furniture. And, she's, and, she's, and she can't be too aggressive, because if she brings something down, she might actually, like, hurt the baby. She ends up fighting Candyman, like, somewhat physically. Inside of it. She gets, uh, she's using it as a hook. Like, it's a, um, construction thing. Yes. Also, at this time, Jake well, that's what I'm and saying. the children, see other the children hook. of the neighborhood, well, see, see the, the hook. hook. They see she... his hook, too, don't they? Oh, do they? They see him. Um, they don't only see her and they're like, it's Candyman. They see him and they're like, Candyman is in there. We're gonna get him. And Jake's like, burn him. Yeah. It's so good. And so they, like, the, him and all these other kids from the neighborhood go and get, uh... Matches. And, uh... Lighter fluid. Like, lighter fluid, yeah. And they're burning this pyramid of furniture. Um... To get uh, Candyman. Again, there's an aspect of this that's, like, yeah, not to unpack this too much or put too fine a point on it, but this is a... It's... People... A lot of people from the community come and show up and become a part and of this. watch it, yeah. Uh, this is just a group of black people standing around burning their collective trauma. Like... Mm-hmm. That is literally what's going on here. Yes. Is that they're like, they've set fire to it and they're trying to kill it. And there's something really beautiful in that. But also, it's an abstract horror movie. And, and, like, and also, it is reinvigorating their fear yes. of Candyman. It has made him, because now they know that fake Candyman is in prison. So whatever is here, even if it's burning, they now believe in him again. He has yes. He has reachieved his his fame and his attention, which is what he wanted in the first place. Helen saves the baby. She emerges. She's on fucking fire. She is super on fire. She is a portrait of a lady on fire. <laughs> uh, she dies. Mm-hmm. Trevor, but, but she gets the baby back too. Yeah. Trevor, her husband is sad about it in an epilogue says, Oh, Helen, Helen <laughs> says her name in the mirror five times while he's in the bathroom. Uh, then she shows up and fucking murders him. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that we see she's is new Candyman. is Candyman in Candyman's like derelict apartment lair. Uh, she's on the wall now too, with this incredible fucking score that the credits roll yep. over. Oh my god! Oh my it's god! So good. What a movie! <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's so much more than I was expecting, and I loved it. It's just it's so smart. It's so smart. It's, in addition yeah. to being. A visceral, entertaining, good time, right? Sometimes movies are a little too smart for... Uh, to have fun. To have fun, right? You're like, I'm thinking. I like movies like that, sometimes. Sometimes. This is both a, like, gripping, engaging, entertaining movie that manages to get you to be invested in this woman that it is so thoroughly eviscerating. Yeah, like, it's critical of her. Like, uh, uh, ideologically. <laughs> thoroughly eviscerating. <laughs> oh, damn, Helen, you got roasted by Clive Barker. And Bernard, Rose. and Bernard Rose. I'm just saying, she did. Uh, but also, it's just an engaging movie. And it's so fucking freaky. The things that I saw it's on scary. screen That's what I was going to say. Crazy. It's not only smart. It's not only, like, you know, well-made as a movie. It is fucking terrifying. Because Candyman is scary. And there are, like, some really good jump scares. Yes. And, and truly anything 
where there's like you say it in a mirror five times and or three times or whatever how many times and then they show up is always gonna work with me because that shit terrifies me. Do you remember after this movie ended, I told you to go in the mirror and say Candyman five times and you wouldn't do it? Of course not. I'm no. not stupid. Neither am I. And I'm just saying, like, I think that it's amazing that movies like this are able to scare us that you and I, who watch a lot of horror you movies... You realize we live in a high-rise in Chicago, yeah, right? I know. Like... <laughs> I literally, like, I'm so glad that the bathroom uh, mirror just, like, faces the bedroom. Like, not faces the bedroom, but it shares a wall with the bedroom. So I know that As opposed to another apartment? Crawling in my freaking bathroom window. Uh, but, like, I just think it's amazing that... We are very sensible people. Yeah. We are very, you know... I don't think either of us are particularly superstitious, but neither of us would ever go into the bathroom and say, Bloody Mary or Candyman. Uh, just in fucking case. Yeah, you never know. Why risk it? I, yeah, why risk it? I don't know. Anything else you want to say other than, please go watch this movie? Because that's all I have to say. Um, honestly. No. Yeah, that's it. It's great. Go watch it immediately. Are you ready to... Uh... Burn this in effigy. Yeah, I was gonna hope you were gonna say light it on fire. Yeah. yeah. Let's light it on fire. We have a new roulette. Okay, I wanted to say <laughs> remember a few episodes ago when I was talking mad trash about how there should be like some tool out there or something where I can just be like, show me the movies and just spin the roulette and I can just choose horror and I can just look on any streaming service that I want to. Well turns out that somebody is smart and invented it already. And I'm thrilled. It's called Real Good. And it's not only... Dot com? Uh, yeah, realgood.com. Real spelled like R-E-E-L. Oh, like a film reel. Like a film reel. It's, it's a, a great pun. Joke. It's a pun. I love puns. Um, they. It's not only this roulette service. That's just a part of it. It also has like where you can look up where you can stream things and... Oh, like uh, Just Watch does that like, too. Yes, exactly. There's, there's, a, lot, with there's a lot of ones that do like where can you watch this. But this particularly has the roulette... And it has Netflix, and it has Hulu, and it has Prime Video, and HBO, and, and Shudder. Shudder. Shudder's and the big one. It's important that it has Shudder. Yes. That's a horror podcast that is That's a necessary important. library. It has 63 streaming services you can choose from. I didn't even know there were 63 streaming services. I didn't even know either, but it says this, and then it says 63 more. Um, oh, 63 so, more, so it has more than 60. It has like 80-something. It has a bajillion. So why don't we use this roulette to choose our next movie? How does that sound? Sounds great. Thanks, real good. Literally, bless you real good. There's no way that this functionality was the same when we started this podcast, because we looked. No, yeah, we did, we did. This, this is, this is a, it came in the moment that I needed it the most. All you can right. also change, you can also set um, IMDb score or Rotten Tomato score if we ever Smart. need to. Smart. If we're ever like, hey, can you not give us shit? Already? I am. Okay, first spin on real good. Our first spin on Real Good will be... The Quiet Ones? On what? On Hulu. It is uh, a university student and some classmates are recruited to carry out a private experiment to create a poltergeist. That sounds great. I want to make a poltergeist. <laughs> I want to make a poltergeist. All right, The Quiet Ones. All right. In case you missed it, we did some video content last week. We did. We live, not live streamed, we... Recorded our live reactions. Yes, and then didn't edit them at all. <laughs> uh, so basically, it's like we streamed it, but you watched it a, a day later. Yeah. We hope you liked that. We've never done that before. We've never yeah. done video content for this podcast. Nope. You saw our faces. If you liked it, you could 
tell us that. That would be lovely. And then mm-hmm. we might do more. Even yeah. if even if you didn't want to see our stupid faces, <laughs> but want more Oscars content from us, maybe we could do an Oscar uh, post-mortem episode. Yeah. Maybe like... We can do horror Oscars, too. We can be like, what would we nominate? Because there's so many good horror movies this year that are not going to be... We need more than two people for horror Oscars. We'd have to poll everyone because... Two people do not a good awards show make. It's fair. However, let us know if you're interested at all in Oscars content or if that's just myopic shit that we care about. Because here's the thing. We're going to... We follow awards races very closely mm-hmm. regardless of whether we do it for this podcast. So if you would like content based on that... Yeah, it's going to be happening in our brains anyway. You have to let us know. Because mm-hmm. we are, I honestly have no sense of if people have enough of that in their lives or if they like us enough to want to hear what we think of the Oscars. I genuinely yeah. don't know. I'm not trying to be fake humble here. I don't know if that's something anyone gives a shit about. Right. So let us know because the Oscars are in f- uh, three weeks. Goddamn. But until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. And YouTube, apparently. Yeah, we have a YouTube. We, we, have one we video. always did because we had a Gmail account, but now there's actually content on it. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on uh-huh. iTunes. And leave us comments on YouTube about how much you love Joker. Because <laughs> there's already some there. People are already doing it. You People might are already enjoyed. really incensed about our feelings about Joker. <laughs> uh, tell your friends about the podcast. 2020 is going to be exciting for us. We have a way wider search net that I think is going to, or I hope, is going to deliver some cool stuff. Yeah. The, the quiet ones seems like a pretty typical now screaming movie. Fair, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, especially if we get something on Shudder. Shudder has some cool shit. Yes. Maybe we should spin the roulette on Shutter next time. <laughs> just on Shutter. Maybe we should just rotate what service it is every yeah, episode. Maybe. We'll see. Thank you, as always, to Wes Craven and to Clive Barker for writing some truly, truly fucked up shit that melts my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It does that. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.